Welcome back to the Pillars of Smoke podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Mag. Let's go. Come on. banger rage against the machine that's right uh sleep now in the fire love those guys tom morello so good oh so good my goodness oh yeah all right y'all we have some good stuff oh we do have some good stuff we have some good stuff we have some really good stuff. this episode oh man Oof. it's gonna be an interesting one. Oh, it is <laughs> and some of you may be sleeping in the fire after this one Woo! Get him. So, we have been uh, chugging along through Mark Dever's book, oh, The yeah. Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Absolutely. Uh, we've gone through five so far. Oh, yeah. And give today. It, let's give it to him. Let's, let's recall the five. Let's recall quick. the five really so quick. So, the first one was uh, Mark 1, expositional preaching. Expositional preaching. Mark 2, gospel doctrine. Gospel doctrine mark three a biblical understanding of conversion and evangelism Mm -hmm. mark four a biblical understanding of church membership Mm. give them mark five oh yeah mark five mark five was a brutal church discipline say that again church discipline oh that was a rough one that one was that one was rough some people sending me nasty text messages throughout the week bro (laughs) Some people are just angry out there, bro. Just angry. Because they didn't want to deal with it. Oh, yeah. But today, Mark 6, a biblical concern for discipleship and growth. You know what? It's a topic to be concerned about. I love how he worded the title of this chapter. It's definitely something to be concerned about. It is because it should be discipleship and growth is... I would say, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, (laughs) IMHO, uh, I would say that discipleship and growth is the main function of the church. 100. It is the the main function of the church. Uh, Why? Why? Because discipleship is the only true reason why we exist because if i look at it mm-hmm. when i look at the great commission of matthew 28 it said yep. go therefore and make disciples yep. baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit uh-huh. teaching them to observe everything that i have uh-huh. taught you uh-huh. that section right there teaching them to observe everything that i have taught you is the crux of it that is called discipleship. 
you know, I would even throw in there that we we can get a sense for the urgency of discipleship in the life of a believer with the part of Matthew 28 where he says to all nations. Yes, absolutely. And Sorry, I think I that, that part. <laughs> no, and I think that it's something that we just look over as something oh quick. Oh, absolutely. Right? We'll read through it and it's like, oh, okay, make sure you take it to all the nations. Right. But there's that also brings to mind or should bring to mind a sense of urgency mm -hmm. for discipleship. Um, the fact that the Lord wants this to be going out. It, it's it's something that is being it's something that is being produced in you and it should be replicated absolutely in other believers. Absolutely. And even Paul puts a big burden on that with Second Timothy two yep. two. You know, mm -hmm. find men who are able to teach that you can teach them everything I have taught you to continue teaching. Absolutely. Like and that's paraphrased. But discipleship is just something gigantic and Paul's constantly harping on it. You know, the older men should be teaching the younger men. The older women should be teaching the younger women. Like and then even throughout the entirety of scripture, it's calling on families to teach their children and to continue passing on the lessons and uh precepts and everything that the lord has that he wants us to live by yep. in that so it's when we look at discipleship and growth what it really is is learning how to live out scripture mm. in your life how to live out a biblical worldview and how to pass these things on to other people preach oh my goodness preach my goodness it's such a good it's such a good chapter but uh, we're going to focus a little bit more towards the end of this chapter because most of this chapter, I would probably say three quarters of this chapter, if not maybe a little more, mm -hmm. is really just reiterating the first five marks. Yep. Why? Because discipleship and growth really starts with those first five marks. Absolutely. It's, it's are you in a church that has expositional yep. teaching? Like, if you're not, okay, well, then what are you learning? What do you learn? If you're just getting fluff messages every single week, yeah, you're not learning anything. You're not learning anything. Uh, is there is there is there gospel being preached? Is the gospel doctrine core essential of the teaching that's being done? Uh, what does conversion and evangelism look like in your church? What does church membership look like? What does discipleship like? What does discipline look like? Uh, he also goes into leadership and the practice of prayer and the practice of missions. And all these things are things that develop over time. And I don't want to go, we don't want to go into like prayer and missions and everything because those are later marks. Yeah. Uh, but as far as growth goes, you know, Mag, what, what, what is it that a church should be looking for as far as growth goes? To be honest with you, uh, a church should be more focused on the discipleship mm -hmm. of of the congregants that that are professing Christians. Uh, disciples is a follower, one who accepts and and assists and assists in spreading the doctrine, um, the doctrines of another. So that's a disciple, someone who's learning of someone else and then <laughs> passing that on to be replicated into another person. If that is not an essential core value within your church, then then you're not in a healthy church. Oh, absolutely not. It's not a healthy church, a church that does not want to see other people coming to the faith, mm -hmm. other people being transformed by mm -hmm. the gospel and being and being changed. Um, 
and then also going out and creating that site same type of discipleship in other people exactly. so you know as as christians it's a it's a person who follows jesus and accepts and assists in the spreading of the good news of salvation through him christian uh, christian discipleship is the process by which disciples grow in the lord jesus christ um, and are equipped by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to overcome the pressures and trials of this present life and overcome more and more and, and become, excuse me, and become more and more Christ-like. Mm -hmm. That is truly what discipleship, uh, what discipleship looks like mm -hmm. in the life of a believer. And I, I remember many years ago in a church that I was a part of, the, the pastor the pastor always emphasized not the word discipleship but his emphasis was always on trust mm. trusting god trusting jesus trusting the holy spirit he he always and i remember that i'll never forget that he always put a big emphasis on trust and discipleship is exactly that absolutely we're all being discipled yes some of us are being discipled by jesus Others are being discipled by Netflix, but <laughs> others are discipled by fantasy football. I kid you not, bro. Hey. Others are discipled by golf. Others are discipled, you know, by Stephen A. Smith. Others are, who are you being discipled by? Mm -hmm. So that ergo, the question begs itself, who are you putting your trust in? Mm. Are we putting our trust in Jesus or are we putting our trust in everything else that this world has mm -hmm. to offer and and that therefore you know in the beginning of this chapter um i'm sorry to cut you off but in the beginning of this chapter dever puts a strong emphasis on the biblical theology of discipleship mm -hmm. which i think it's extremely critical to see that discipleship is something that has um certainly been uh it, it's certainly something that's been very present from the from the beginning of scripture mm -hmm. from genesis all the way to revelation discipleship is a concept that has always um been taught not in the sense of just following one person mm. but in the sense of trusting god yeah. for everything yeah and i think it's i think in in, the, in that same line um you know dever mentions it and it's and it's from i believe it's from first corinthians it's it's this little debacle that Paul has to kind of iron out mm -hmm. in, in uh, the people really kind of looking and saying, like, well, I was a disciple of Apollo, so I was a disciple yeah. of Paul. And Paul really comes down to this theology of discipleship and where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe I planted a seed and Apollos watered it, but the one who causes the growth is God. So it's in your own discipleship and when you're discipling other people, that per you, you're never going to be discipling the same person for the rest of your life. Nope. And you are not going to be discipled by the same person for the rest of your life. You're always going to have different people that are discipling. And you have to trust that the discipleship that is happening or the discipleship that you're giving out is going to be growed. Grown. I don't know, is going to be grown by God. You have, to, you have to trust that the Holy Spirit is actually working in your life. Absolutely. And changing you and conforming you to look like the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what discipleship is really, really all about. It's conforming yourself to look like the person of Christ. But if you're not trusting God in that, then 
there's probably not going to be any growth in your life. Yeah. There's not going to be any growth in your life. If you're constantly, if you're one of those people that you are in a church where the lead pastor has been there for 20 plus years and they decide to retire or they leave and then you walk away from the church because that guy walked away, then you're replacing your trust on that person. Absolutely. You're replacing, and, and that and can happen. It happens happen, a lot. And it happens a lot. And it, could, and, and it doesn't even have to be the lead pastor. It could be someone that was just discipling you for a few years and they left the church because they went to a different church and they moved away and guess what? You fell away because you didn't have that discipleship person anymore. Yeah. Well, guess what? You were placing your trust in that person and not Jesus Christ to continue your discipleship. And you know what's interesting? I love that Dever says that. He, he makes note of this. Sometimes, sometimes we're not going to have people there mm -hmm. to really mentor and disciple um, us how we really want. Sometimes, mm. sometimes you're, you're going to be probably in a season where, where you're not going to have that. And this is where the rubber meets the road. And yes. you really have to take account and assess are we putting our faith and our trust in the efforts of someone else or the sufficiency of God himself in our mm. life? And I've seen people, um, unfortunately, I've seen people leave churches mm -hmm. for that very reason. You know, and it, and it goes back to, to ideas that we've talked about in the past where, man, if we're leaving our churches just because we're unhappy with something that's going on there, mm -hmm. then we're never going to be a catalyst for change never. within the organization, within, you know, within the church. Um, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I, now what I would say to that is, you know, Dever in this chapter does talk about um, growth together as a church. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I've had seasons where I've been discipled that I've had seasons where I've done discipling. Uh, and what I've noticed is those seasons where I'm not being discipled is those seasons where there's a lot of new believers that come in. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That's where Second Timothy 2, 2 comes in. Come on now. That's where it's, okay, well, you've learned a lot about, about the faith. You've yep. learned a lot. You've changed a lot. You've conformed more to the person of Christ. You may, yep. You're not going to look like him ever until yep. we're in heaven. Uh, but now, now those are those times where if you're not being discipled, look for the person that just came in. How can you disciple that person? And that's really what Dever kind of goes towards in, you know, growth together as a church. It is the responsibility of every church member to do discipleship. Absolutely. It's not just one person. It's not just the pastor. It's not the deacons. It's not the leaders. It's not, it's, it's not the people that are just have some type of quote unquote title yeah. within your church. It it's is every, every, every congregant's responsibility and you yeah. grow together so in those in like like we've said throughout this entire series that we're doing we don't want you guys to hear these things and look at your church and say well it's unhealthy in this respect i'm going to walk away yeah, no. no if it's unhealthy especially when it comes to discipleship yeah you need to step in into that moment and say okay how can i change these things yeah Maybe maybe it's that it's maybe it's one of those times that you need to become a small group leader. Yeah. Maybe it's those times where it's okay. There's these two new guys that just came into the church. They don't know anything. I've been in the faith for a few years. Let me let me build relationships with them. Let me build them a friendship. Let me cultivate and water the yeah. seed that has been planted in their life. And you know, like going back to that idea of hopes of growth that that Dever talks about, mm -hmm. because discipleship is. It comes with the idea of 
we are growing into something. Mm-hmm. We are being transformed and growing. If you're if you're stagnant believer, and there are periods of time where you will have a little more. Um, there, there, there'll, there'll be a little. It, it'll be calm. Yeah. Not a lot's going on. Not a lot of change has happened. You may not be able to see a lot of change, but there are things happening in the background. Absolutely. The more we're faithful. Um, the more we'll grow. But the growth, sometimes, it's very incremental. Mm-hmm. It's very little. It reminds me of a story when I heard a pastor share a story once about his wife and the, and the, and the idea of what Scripture does when you read, when, what happens when you read Scripture consistently every mm-hmm. single day. When we read Scripture every single day, day after day, we make a little bit of time to spend with the Lord in His Word and in prayer. This is what happens. It's like your spouse making a meal for you. You might not remember every single little thing that you've read in Scripture, just like you won't remember every single meal that your spouse has ever made for you, but you know that it's nourished you one way or another. Mm. And when you're older in your life, you can look back at that and say, you know what? It nourished me. It fed me. Mm-hmm. And help me get to where I am today. Mm, I mean, I love this uh, this little snippet that uh, he put in here uh, on the importance of good growth. Yeah, and that and that has to do with that as well, like the incrementalness of yeah. of growing in your spiritual life. Uh, he says growth is seen to be an optional extra for particular particularly zealous disciples, but be very careful about taking that line of thought. Growth is a sign of life. Growing trees are living trees, and growing animals are living animals. When something stops growing, it dies. Absolutely. Growth may not mean that you negotiate these rapids in half the time you negotiated the last. It may simply mean that you are able to continue in the right direction as a Christian, Mm. regardless of the adverse circumstances. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it really really hit me that, like, the... the, uh, the imagery that he uses of a, of a growing tree is a living yep. tree oh. because it makes me think of like the California redwoods, mm-hmm. bro. Huge. Those trees are gigantic. Huge. Huge. They're going to be huge, <laughs> but they grow yeah. constantly. They grow consistently. They're not growing leaps and bounds every single month or every single year, but they're definitely growing inches at a time. I don't know if I don't know if I've used this illustration here, but the illustration of growing together. So, and it goes along it goes along with this. If you see a tree in the desert, mm-hmm. sometimes they're there. Mm-hmm. If you see a tree in the desert, most of the time it's a little short, it's kind of thin, it's not very thick, it's mm-hmm. not tall, and it's crooked. Yeah, it's growing sideways. And it's kind of like it, the Joshua not, trees. Yeah, 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 like a little Joshua tree. <laughs> it's not flourishing very much. And it looks it looks a little disheveled, a little broken. It looks mm-hmm. fragile. You don't want to blow on it because it'll tip over. But if you look at those California red pines, mm. they're all together. Yes. They're big. Huge. They're tall. They're sturdy. Mm. But they're together. And their root systems are all connected to each other. They're connected to each other. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Is your discipleship, I mean, this is is definitely food for thought. Are you 
Are you linking up with other Christians in order to disciple each other mm. when there is no pastor to disciple you? Oof. Sometimes, sometimes, and, and sometimes in bigger churches, mm -hmm. the access to the pastor or the campus pastor or, or, or whatnot, and even in small churches, is limited. It's very limited. The time with the pastor is very limited, especially if the pastor is teaching and preaching every single week. Mm -hmm. They have to spend time preparing at least 20 hours a week yes that leaves you another 20 hours like let's say 15 hours for meetings and then another five hours for um for decide for me no for uh for for admin stuff oh yeah huh imagine if it's 15 hours a week that you really have to spend time with your congress with con with your congregation even even if you're, you're doing even if you're doing hour-long meetings that's only 15 people a week. With 15 people a week. That's very limited. That is. That means that in a month, a pastor can meet with 60 people. Well, that's well, I mean, that's awesome if you're a congregation of 60. It is. But, but what happens when you're a congregation of, you know, 1,500? When you're a congregation of 1,500, then you need to rely on other people to do that. Small group is there. there there's many different avenues. And that's Mentoring. why congregations need to come together and really... Uh, uh, you know, they, they, they really need to focus on loving each other well and mm -hmm. walking with each other through the process of discipleship. Yes. Now there's now there's a there's a thing here that Dever says, and I and it's funny because I actually did a I did a paper on it. Okay. Uh, my senior year of what you say? undergrad, and he's talking about um, the the temptation of of reducing your church growth down to a metric mm. of well, we had these many people raise their hand at the salvation moment. We had this many baptisms. We had this many people in attendance. We had, we had this, that, and the other. And you just you, you kind of start looking at it as a tangible thing of growth. Of okay, well, yeah, we must be growing. We must be healthy. You know, the people must be thriving in their spiritual life because there's more people coming in. There's more people getting saved and there's more people getting baptized. But the issue with that is that you're not really measuring the spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. You're not really measuring what people actually know of scripture. You're not really measuring how people are living out scripture in their daily lives. You're not measuring how people are discipling one another yep. in your church. This is, this is one of those things where it's sometimes you got to trim the fat. You have to. You have to. You have to start trimming fat and oh, yeah. looking at okay, well, Stop pruning, baby. This, this congregation of mine has 250 people on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. I only have 60 of them plugged into a small group. Right. There's only 30 of them that serve. Right. Well, in my opinion, if I have less than a third of my congregation plugged into a small group that is actually learning something and being discipled on a weekly basis, my church is not healthy. No. My church is dying. Yeah, I don't care how many people I have in the pews. I don't care how many butts are in the seats. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. My 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 sermons are not being filled by the Holy Spirit and pushing people to actually be discipled and seek it out. Like that's another thing too, where it's like people need to have a fervor for that. Absolutely, they need to be wanting to be discipled. Like this is part of your growth. If you mm -hmm. if you became a Christian and you stopped there, there's an issue. Mm. there's a really big issue. If there's no growth in your life, if there's nothing happening in your life, there is a problem that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. What would that problem be, Meg? 
poor discipleship. Ooh. That's the problem. So how do we fix that? You know, so it's easy to point the finger. Oh, absolutely. It's easy. But I want to maybe, if, if we have time, maybe five, five quick observations to do kind of like a self-assessment of where we're at with our own discipleship. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, the person responsible for your discipleship is you. Yeah. Unfortunate, some people might not like to hear this, but nope. the person responsible for your discipleship is not your pastor. It's not your small group leader. It's not, to be quite frank with you, even if you're married, it's not your spouse. No. It's not. The person responsible for your own discipleship is you. You. Here are maybe five things, maybe a little assessment that you can give yourself, a little self-assessment of five critical areas of your discipleship. One, putting Jesus above all things. Are you putting Jesus above all things? Mm. When making those day-to-day decisions, those hard, those tough decisions in life, are you consulting Jesus first? Hmm. Second, following Jesus' teaching. Are you digging into the Bible consistently? Hmm. Not when things hit the fan, not when things are going rough, not on Sunday only, not just that small group. That's a big cop-out sometimes. Mm-hmm. I read the Bible this week. When? Sunday morning? When, when was the last time you read the Bible? Oh, Thursday, you know, Thursday at small group. Preparing for small group. <laughs> Come on now. Are you are you following Jesus' teachings? Three. This is a critical one. Are you bearing fruit? Ooh. Ask yourself that question. That's are you big, bearing that's fruit? A, that's a big one. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it's a, a huge one. one. You know what's what's. What, what is bearing fruit? And that's a whole different conversation. Maybe we can talk about this another day. Absolutely. I would love to get into that. Four, loving other disciples. Are you loving other Christians? Or do we spend more time gossiping about what the latest thing is going on within your church? Or are we genuinely loving each other? Spending time together grabbing lunch together, dinner together, having friends, having uh, other brothers and sisters coming around and doing life with you Mm -hmm. consistently. And then finally, are we making disciples of others? Are we being intentional to go out into the world and saying, hey, this is is the gospel. Mm -hmm. Let me share the gospel with you. And making sure that those who do respond to the gospel start that journey of discipleship those, those are, are like big. five those are just like five simple um that's a it's a little self-assessment yeah to give yourself a, on your own discipleship those are big too because it's if those things aren't happening in your life then you have to look at yourself what am i doing what am i what am i prioritizing over christ what am i prioritizing over meeting with people over giving the gospel like and am then I bearing fruit am i bearing fruit why why aren't i bearing fruit i love what uh what dever goes into here uh he looks at paul in first corinthians 3 1 he bore fruit kind of who oh, paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh he says uh carnal christians brothers i could not address you as spiritual but as worldly mere infants in christ 
and I love that Dever points this one out because he looks at the carnal Christian. And it's such an it's such an oxymoron, Dever calls it. And it's an oxymoron because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. If there's no growth in your life, you have to analyze yourself and have I truly been converted? Oh. Is well like did the gospel really take effect in my life? Does the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit actually live within me? Oof. Is there fruit bearing? Come on. If there's nothing happening, there's an issue. Oh. If there's nothing happening, if there's no growth, if you're in the same spot that you were the day that you raised your hand and prayed that prayer. Or made that decision. Or made that decision, whatever it was. Or got, not even then. Not even the day that you made the decision. The day you got baptized. Yeah, there you go. When you, when you got baptized, you were baptized into the Lord's death. And raised to life with him. Mm -hmm. That is the symbolism of submersion. Sprinkling doesn't do it. That is this literal. That is the literal symbolism of submersion. You died to your old life with Christ. You died to your sins, and you have now been raised to newness of life with Christ. Come on. From that moment, have things changed in your life? If not, you are not growing. And as Dever said, if there's no growth there's death yep absolutely are that's, you still dead you know that's uh, yeah that's that's the <laughs> beauty of having other believers around you yep true believers will point out where you need to work yes so don't 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 look at other believers like looking at your life and making comments here and there and saying hey what why are you still doing this don't look at them as judging you no they're trying to help they're you they're trying to love you yep. they're trying to they love are. on you they're trying to disciple you in those moments mm take the discipleship maybe you're the unhealthy one maybe your church is not maybe there's a little pride in there i don't know we'll leave you with this question we will leave you with one final question are you concerned about your discipleship and your growth are you concerned about it i'm concerned about it constantly if you're not concerned about your discipleship and growth neither is jesus i said it I said it and I don't regret it. Sleep down the fire. Grace and peace, y'all. Love you guys.